man, Rabbi, I mean, I'm, I, I'm here all alone in my home in the Zoom thing because I can't be near you. This is a, taking the six feet of distance a little too far, buddy. Why are you not even next to me right now? You know, I, I, I almost decided this morning to say, hey, man, can you just turn your video on just so I can see you? Well, um, you know, this is, buddy, we're, we're in the time of COVID now, and we'll just have to explore different ways. Maybe we can start sending telegrams to one another. Um, can I send a singing, singing telegram to you? Would that, would that work? Or no? That no, you could do be, that. You could okay, do that. that could be six feet from you. I think, I think uh, what we should do is, is just do some um, personal uh, connectivity, personal, um, hmm, what's the word? Personal outreach. Ooh. Or maybe, maybe you guys call it something else. Uh, oh, oh, see, outreach for us is like kind of serving the poor. But I think where you're going with this is evangelism. Is evangelism, yeah. So this is another Judeo-Christian semantics thing that we often, uh, you know, just get to get to revel in. Well, we we say evangelism, you freak out. You say outreach, which you mean evangelism, and then we think serving the poor. It's just, you know, this is why we had the show, buddy, to 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 start start hashing the stuff out. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're going to talk about evangelism, and um, I, I'm assuming when I say evangelism that that's not really doesn't really give you um, the the warmest feeling in the world. Mm. Not that it doesn't give me a warm feeling. It gives me, it gives me a, a, a slight uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, right. And, uh, but we do believe in this idea of sharing some good news with one another, especially right now, because there's too much dark and gloom news. And as people of faith, we need to keep on redirecting uh, people's um, eyes to the presence of God in the midst of all the chaos. So let's talk about sharing some good news today. And um, you know what? I found a guest, and the only reason I'm going to say I did, because I particularly picked this person because of her name, because I had a feeling her name was going to really bring warmth to your heart. Mm. Her name is Jerusalem, buddy. It's pretty neat. Right? Did I do, did I do okay? You did okay. I mean, I, I will say, when you, when, you, when you texted me the information the other day, I, I, I thought you were joking. <laughs> Yeah, all right. So today's podcast uh, is is called "Does Evangelism Freak You Out?" Sharing the good news during the time of COVID nineteen. Jerusalem Greer, who is the staff officer for evangelism for the Episcopal Church, will be joining us. Uh, she is an author and well, just a staff officer for evangelism for the Episcopal Church. So there's that. Um, we'll be on and we'll make uh, the rabbi and I feel a lot smarter about ourselves. So uh, God bless you all during this time. Uh, for the, us Christians, it is Holy Week, and today is Good Friday. Um, and for you, Rabbi, you're in the midst of uh, a Passover, yeah? Yep. Yep. So, holy, holy times we live in. Let's keep it holy. And speaking of holy, let's sanctify this podcast so we don't go down another rabbit hole of disparity and um, craziness that you and I like to practice. Let's get mm. to it. Let's get to it. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the program hosts and their guests and are not necessarily those of WSTU, St. Mary's Episcopal Church, and Temple Bait Hyam. Products that may be mentioned are not necessarily intended as an endorsement. Any reproduction or retransmission of this broadcast is strictly prohibited. And now, WSTU presents a priest and a rabbi. Call in with questions and comments at oh. 220-9788. 220 WSTU. Now, here's your host. 
All right, all right, all right. Good morning to you all on this blessed Good Friday. If you're one who follows Jesus or just another day, um, that's, that's, that's good to you. If you're Jewish, like my good friend, Rabbi Matthew Durbin, this is a priest and a rabbi. My name is Father Christian Anderson. And next to me through this Zoom call is the gorgeous and the best looking rabbi you've seen this side of the Jordan River. I can't see him because we're more than six feet apart. We're actually miles apart because through modern technology, we're doing this radio show through Zoom because the rabbi is afraid of my Christian germs. Um, but in any event, <laughs> it's good to have you all here. Rabbi, good morning. And look what modern technology allows us to do. So your children don't have to be worried about getting my, um, my pathogens that I don't have. Uh, well, you know, we, uh, we, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, I, I do have to say it's a little challenging this morning. Uh, just because I, I I don't have the opportunity to see your your beautiful shining face, it's uh, it's it, it, it's a difficult you know I, I know it's Good Friday, but but for me it's uh, I wish I could see Reverend Anderson's face Friday. You know, I just if you guys are just new to the radio show, just want you all to know that the rabbi and I push the boundaries of homoeroticism quite often throughout this. So if you're not comfortable in your heterosexuality, then you're just going to have to get used to it. Um, we're both two confident heterosexual men who talk about holding each other's hands and giving each other long hugs because there's a tremendous amount of love one another. And we agree on one thing that Jesus was a Jew. All right. So, um, Rabbi, are you holding up during this time of uh, COVID-19? Everything doing well over in the household? Yeah, you know, it's been um, it's been it's been a little crazy, been a little uh, uh, lots going on. Obviously, we're in Passover right now. And, you know, we 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 uh, we did. Uh, we did our first Zoom Seder or Zader uh, on, on Wednesday night. Uh, so that was that was that was that was challenging. It was interesting. We had my family and uh, my wife's family, and uh, we had about 30, 35 of us, kind of uh, virtually all communicating to one another. Um, some people we haven't seen in uh, in months. Uh, so it was it was it was really nice to be able to do the Seder. And then um, last night we did. Uh, uh, my wife had Seder that she was doing for a couple students at FAU and Nova. Uh, so we opened it up to our community, uh, kind of thinking I would get, uh, you know, five or 10 people. And we had about 60 that came in last oh night. Oh my so gosh. We had a Seder of about 70, 80 people uh, via Zoom. Um, so we kind of led that last night, which was, which was interesting. Uh, we had a lot of video and audio kind of clips and uh, kind of brought the Seder forward in a modern time uh which was it was actually really interesting to be able to sit there in the con you know in the comforts of my own home uh to be able to lead this seder um and i was actually very fortunate um that that my middle child slept through it so um it was just my wife myself my oldest ellie and uh our youngest who um who partook of the seder but it was yeah it's a little a little different a little different this year oh I think yeah over well, absolutely. And, and being able to like do a Seder, like I, I'm impressed because we're doing like online coffee hours through Zoom and mm -hmm. that we're not getting 60 to 70 people. Our, 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 our congregation at St. Mary's is just not feeling that so far. So I'm impressed that you can take and we haven't done any of our worship through Zoom. Everything's just been through a live stream we have on our website and through social mm -hmm. media. So for you to be taking uh, your, your worship in the Seder onto Zoom you can see everyone's faces, people can interact. And then it, it demands a lot from you as an administrator of Zoom because then you gotta be muting people and mm -hmm. sharing screens and stuff. And um, 
So good. Well, you know, we did something really interesting too. We did. Uh, so my wife had this had uh, the, these series of questions that we were trying to explore and understand within the Seder, and being able to take and she did breakout groups, which I thought was like really neat to be able to see it on on Zoom, where you know the flick of a button and suddenly everyone gets in their own little chat room with you know five or six individuals and you know the five ten minute breakout session, which I thought was it was pretty neat, pretty neat. That's, that's, uh, you know, I don't know if you all listened to last week's episode and the week before that, but we've been talking about how are we moving forward as in houses of worship uh, during this new digital age that God has thrusted us into through uh, Corona tide and the, and, and rabbi has been very honest about uh, his lack of excitement about having to move everything onto the, into the digital world. And look at you now, here we are, you're hosting 60 to 70 people on zoom uh, doing satyrs, zaders, bro. Look at you, man. I, you know, look what God is doing through you, man. You're, le- you're leaving me in the dust. You thought I was the digital savvy one. I look like I'm just analog Andy next to you, man. No, so not true. If you look at what you guys are doing, I mean, I, I you know, for those that that, that um, um, didn't hear, I think I may have mentioned this last week, but you know, I had the opportunity last week to, uh, I just scrolling through, you know, scrolling through, trolling through Facebook, having to come across. <laughs> One of Trolling. your teaching opportunities in 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 uh, at St. Mary's, so I tuned in and was kind of listening and just being able to watch you teach and like uh, you know just the, the 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 video and the audio of, of of going out and in and bringing in images and text and I, I as we say in Hebrew, kolik vote to you, all the honor to you. You guys oh. are doing a pretty pretty great job. And, and as we say, it's Episcopalians and also with you. Um, uh, uh, all right, brother man. So listen, we, we talk about sharing the good news and how we can share the good news in this new world that uh, God has, has thrust us into right now. And, or at least that the natural world has thrust us into. And now God is saying, what are you gonna do with it? It has, it has sparked this conversation you and I've talked about before. Um, which is, I wouldn't say a hot button, but it, it gets our juices flowing a little bit, which is evangelism. <laughs> and, and how, and, and is there, there's some semantics involved with this word of what actually is evangelism. Do Jews even use the word or how do they reframe it as opposed to Christians? It is a trigger word, uh, but it's something we want to talk about today because how are we sharing the good news and the respective good news of our faiths, especially now when people are getting a lot of bad news a lot of weird news, um, maybe misinformation news, and we we want to get the word out more than ever. So, as always, we try to bring on someone who's just ten times smarter than us, um, and I and I think we we at least accomplished that today. Uh, we got Jerusalem Greer, who's coming coming onto the show. She is the uh, staff officer for evangelism for the entire Episcopal Church. And uh, not only that, but she's from Arkansas, and everyone I know from Arkansas are just the most lovable, loving people. So uh, she, she has a very healthy and wonderful and creative perspective on evangelism, and she's going to be joining us. And I think she has called in, and she's here on the show. Are you here, Miss Jerusalem? I am here. I am here. Oh, Good well, morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Jerusalem has also authored a bunch of books. You can go, you, you know, we'll tell you all the stuff at the end of the show about where you can find her. But Jerusalem, h- how are you doing today um, on this Good Friday, one of the most sacred days of the Christian faith? Uh, I am well. I'm good. I'm here in Arkansas. The sun is shining. There's no humidity today. So that's a beautiful thing. 
um, to have sunshine and no humidity, and um, just honored to be on this call. Now, I'll warn you, I and, and anybody listening, I live on a little farm, and we have chickens and, and roosters and goats, and so occasionally they like to interrupt. Um, so if you hear that in the background, don't panic. Um, that, is, that is just nature living its best life, having no idea about social distancing um, and coronavirus. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so so that's not um, the rabbi and I making weird noises in the background. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so Jerusalem, before we, we, we start to dip into, uh, get, get deeper and start parsing out uh, this theme, this theme on evangelism during this time of Corona. Mm. Can you just give us a little background on what your position is as being, you know, a staff officer for evangelism? That that can mean a million things for different denominations. And you, you have had a pretty layered background of of of, of uh, let's say Christian faith. So you have some different perspectives of evangelism. So can you first just tell us what what you do for the Episcopal Church? And then we'll go move into your definition of evangelism. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, staff officer is kind of a funny title. Um, so I um, help kind of set the vision, help facilitate vision setting for what evangelism means in our time right now. And then I do a lot of traveling, speaking, training, um, and just really going out into our churches and our um, our various denom- you know areas where we have we call them um, dioceses and and just conventions and conferences and that sort of thing and kind of breaking down um, assumptions about what evangelism is um, helping people um, kind of reframe and um, take on this this what we believe is a call um, in a in a new and a fresh way and so I and curriculum writing speaking resource creation event planning, um, you name it, I do it if it's in any way tied to evangelism. And so as a, now put that in the reference for everyone to understand here, in the context of the Episcopal Church, yeah. <laughs> what, why is that job, uh, what are the challenges with a job like that in the Episcopal Church? Yeah, sure. So the the reason it's a job is in the Episcopal Church, um, we have, you know, our baptism is pretty central to our faith identity. Um, and we have what's called the Baptismal Covenant, and it kind of lays out what we believe it means to really follow Jesus, to kind of live a Jesus-centric life. And one of the things that we promise to do in our baptismal vows and that we reaffirm every time we attend a baptism is that we say we will um, proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and example. And so um, so that, I mean, that's one of like our basic things that we kind of all, not just the clergy, you know, not just church leaders, but everybody promises to do. Um, and so that's kind of my job to help us figure that out because... In the last 20 or 30 years or so, um, it's one of the things that maybe has gotten not as much attention on in, in that covenant. There's some other really beautiful things that we promise that have to do with the dignity of all people and striving for justice. And so we've done a ton of social justice work, frankly, 
Um, we have fought um, a lot of things on the front lines as far as um, advocating for women clergy and LGBTQ rights, both within, um, you know, the pulpit and with just in daily life and, and a lot of other things, poor people's campaign sorts of things, poverty issues, injustices, racial issues. And so we've spent a lot of energy really living out those um, commands in our baptismal covenant, those promises. And evangelism, frankly, kind of fell to the side. I mean, it's really hard to do everything well at the same time. Um, and our church kind of moved away from that a little bit. And, and, and also it kind of moved away in some ways from um, some Jesus-centric language because of really kind of some things that were going on in evangelical cir- circles that were kind of giving evangelism a bad name. So we kind of just let that sit <laughs> on the back burner for a while, and now... Um, we've been called forth back into that. And now that we kind of have, I mean, there's still going to be social justice issues forever, but we're, we're doing that really well. And so now it's time to kind of make the connection about why we're even doing that. And the reason that we're doing it as Christians is because we believe that's what Jesus has called us to do. But I don't know, you know, we just need to get better at making those connections, both for ourselves and for those um, out in the world who see what we're doing. So there is a call and a movement that's happening in the Episcopal Church, and I have to say probably a lot of that is coming, or at least been uh, facilitated by our presiding bishop, which I think a lot of our callers or uh, listeners will know about, is a lot of people refer to him as the, 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 royal, the royal wedding priest, so Bishop Michael okay. Curry, who has really helped the church move in to, to be comfortable saying the E word of evangelism. Right. So, but let's, let's test, since this is a show called A Priest and a Rabbi, um, right. it's, all, it's okay for two Episcopalians right here to be talking about this. Let's turn to our, <laughs> our rabbi uh, and Rabbi Durbin. So when you hear two Christians talking about evangelism, what you, what comes to your mind when you hear the word evangelism? <laughs> <laughs> what comes to my mind? Um, <laughs> you know, I think I think the challenge with with with, with what we Jews believe um, or hear when we hear the word evangelism is uh, very Christian in nature. You know, uh, and I know Father Anderson and I have had numerous, um, uh, how do we say it, um, um, passionate and lively conversations about what this term means. Because I think as Jews, we do a great job and obviously could be doing a better job in terms of outreach, how we present ourselves in the community, how we bring Judaism to the people. But I think that the term itself of evangelizing really comes out of of, of 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 a Christian movement. You know, for us as Jews, we've been in every land, in every country in the world. So in order to spread or to um or to bring people into the fold has never really been um you know from an evangelizing perspective a, a, a Jewish a, 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 a Jewish notion. Um uh, I want to go back on one thing, just just as we as we start the conversation here, because um, I know I know when Father Anderson had said that he has this guest on, and you know I started reading uh, about you, Jerusalem, and, and you know got really excited because I thought, wow, this is this is this is wonderful. I mean, you're an amazing um, um, uh, a person who's invested uh, in the church, and you know just great perspective. What struck me, as I'm sure probably struck uh, many uh, throughout the course of your life, is uh, the choice of your name. What an amazing <laughs> name, Jerusalem. How, and not how in the world did your parents come up with that name? Obviously, you're, right. you're, you're uh, a, a state kid, a church kid. But 
How did that come about? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so my parents, it was the 70s, and um, they were Christian hippies. My mother was um, <laughs> newly, um, had newly become a Christian and um, had been raised in a Christian context but never really identified herself personally as a Christian until um, she was actually right before she got pregnant with me. So I was the first, and they were hippies, and my dad was a Southern Baptist minister, and his name, being from the South, um, he had a great name, Johnny Joe Jackson Jr., so there were four J's, and my mom wanted to have um, four kids whose names all started with J, and they were all from the Bible, but she and has always been kind of unique and doing her own thing. And so I'm the oldest, and then, uh, then there's Joshua, then there's Jemima, and then there's Judea. So um, so there you go. We are all, um, we're all out of the Bible. We're really all out of the Hebrew Scriptures. So, <laughs> mm. yeah, so come yeah. on, Rabbi, you got to approve of that. <laughs> well, you, know, you know, it's funny. I, 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 uh, we used to have um, very heated conversations with my wife about you know, we have three daughters and what to name them and this, that, and the other. And one of the names that I love, uh, and I don't know how popular it is in Israel, uh, but I've heard it a few times um, in the Israeli context, is the name Kinneret, which is, uh, you know, the, like the, the Kinneret is known as the Sea of Galilee. And I think in Hebrew, Kinneret uh, is a beautiful name. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's just so interesting to hear some of these names that are being used that are not um, overly, uh, you know, used in popular culture. Kinneret uh, in Hebrew. Um, there's, I, I, I heard once of a, of a girl named uh, Isha, uh, which I think if we take it right, the word Isha, it sounds pretty, but, you know, it means woman. So it would be a weird thing <laughs> to just say Isha, Isha. But um, it's uh, uh, amazing, amazing that your, your, your parents felt um, um, that, that obviously strong connection uh, to, uh, to, to our faith. It's, um, Jerusalem, I want you to know that, yeah. that before this show started, the first thing that the rabbi said to me is, wait, wait. Can we talk about her name being Jerusalem? That's it. It's like, I don't know about evangelism, but can we just talk right. about that? It's like, oh, man, we, we, the show's about evangelism today. So, so it, right. is, it is, it is. <laughs> okay. I do have to say, so you know, Jerusalem is, yeah. is, is, is a very special city um, in my heart. And uh, yeah. one that um, I couldn't help not mention, especially um, hearing, hearing your name. But um, Well, thank you. Um, I do. Okay, so I have to ask you a trivia question, um, Rabbi, and that is, do you know where Jemima is in Scripture? Mm-hmm. One more time, sorry. Where is Jemima in Scripture? Where is she mentioned? The name. Do you know? I always, I always do this as like a Bible trivia stumper, and don't worry, none of the Episcopalians ever know either. <laughs> mm. Man, does, did Jerusalem uh, get the rabbi? Did you get the I, rabbi? Uh, it's a joke. Uh, you, 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 may, you, may, you may have stumped me. Maybe yeah, in the book of yeah. Job, maybe? Yeah, there you go. It's in Job. It's Woo! in Job. Woo-hoo! He survives. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Man, that was close one. That was live. That Thank was not you. planned at Thank all. Thank you. Thank you. Fourth <laughs> year Bible studies. All right, so let's keep the show uh, uncomfortable here and uh, continue on with, 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 with this idea of evangelism. Uh, so, Rabbi, tell us you were going there with it, and when you hear it, does it does it does it freak you out at all? 
because you know our, our our ad for today's show was you know does 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 evangelism freak you out? And I know even for Episcopalians it can. Does it freak you out at all, or does it make well, you? I mean, I think I think I think you know terminology wise. If 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 somebody were to say to me, okay, Rabbi, go out and evangelize in the community, uh, it does not sit well with me. And I think there's a difference between Rabbi, go evangelize and Rabbi, go outreach. And, and, and maybe we need to define what that term evangelize means and in its context and, and, and its terminology. You know, if we're saying that to evangelize means to go out in the community to, um, to impress uh, upon others the love and the devotion of a religious faith or religious institution, if it's, if it's trying to garner support, if it's trying to show the best of our faith to others who are seeking you know, in, in that in that way, you know, we as Jews see that as outreach, you know, outreach to the uh, to the community itself or outreach to the wider community or the unaffiliated community, you know, but but the term evangelize, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's it's from the days of Billy Graham and seeing televangelism and, 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 and the power and just uh, what it's what it's been used for, um, I think, has as has, has has been unsettling for for Jews. Can you describe just one, uh, just just a thought or even a personal experience or something that even for anyone in your congregation where they've sort of been on the other side of maybe uh, of a not so healthy evangelistic uh, <laughs> scenario? Um, well, I mean, I think I think I think even if we take it in a very you know generic context, when you hear about preachers who are evangelizing and saying, "Look, if you join us, if you come to us." You know, you won't be damned. You won't go to hell. You won't go here, there, or the other. And I think, I think the more as Jews we hear that, I mean, as Jews we don't believe in hell, so we don't believe in devil, pitchfork, fiery furnace. We don't believe. We believe in an underworld. We believe in what we call Sheol, that kind of um, um, intermediary place, um, but the, but not in terms of hell. So I think when we when we see instances of evangelism going through in terms of you need to join us, be part of us, be one of us, so that you can find the kingdom of God. I think as Jews, we struggle with that because the kingdom of God may be very individualistic and it's something that creates great meaning and, 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 and great value um, for our deeds and our actions that we perform on earth. So I think, I think that whole notion of, am I gonna be redeemed? Am I gonna be saved? I, 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 think, I think as Jews, that's just, that's just our nature of who we are. You know, we strive to be good and deserving people. We try and give with a free and open hand, you know, support community, all those things that, that bring into that understanding about how and what we are. And so I, I don't want to do a spoiler alert for Jerusalem's got a, a, a wonderful uh, definition or sort of a refreshing way of looking at evangelism. Uh, but what, before we get there, I want to say you know, there is a part between, since this is a priest and a rabbi, we look at our, the Judeo and Christian way of looking at things. And for Christians, there are literal biblical uh, statements for us to go out and I guess you could put the word evangelize over it, but to go and baptize those and to go out and make what kind of make Christians to bring people to the faith. So there is a fervor and uh, a momentum that is there within the Christian scripture that says, go out and spread the good news. Go out and bring people to, to, to Jesus, right? Uh, and some pretty direct, some pretty direct verses uh, about that. Uh, 
we don't have that really in the Hebrew scripture, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rabbi, of that adamant uh, a directive to say, go make more Jews, right? No, but I think I think I think I think part of it too is when you look at Christianity, especially. And, and again, uh, please know that I am not the world's leading expert on Christianity. But um, when you look at, at at Christianity itself, forms out of something else, garner support, and effectively, as the religion starts starts um, um, uh, gaining membership and, and 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 notoriety, I think that that there is a push to spread that knowledge and spread that that understanding. As Jews, because our story starts with the days of time, I think that there was really no need to evangelize because we were. We were part of the community. Even yeah. if you look at the season we're in with Passover, right? We all came together. As we know, we left Egypt as we stand on the banks of, of, of Mount Sinai, that there are 600,000 men. Well, with women and children, you're talking about a million and a half, two million of a nation. There was really no need for we all were part of one collective community under God uh, as one people. So I don't think that there was a need to evangelize or to bring that in because we already were there. Right. All right. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, uh, Jerusalem is going to break down uh, uh, another way of looking at evangelism or sort of a refresh, a refreshing uh, look at it. And um, we're very excited about that. So stick around. We're here on a priest and a rabbi. You can also catch us on the podcast if you've just tuned in. Stay safe out there. and We'll see you in just a minute. You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And I want to let you know that I have started a YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want 
um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor, someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Welcome back to part two of A Priest and a Rabbi. This is Father Christian Anderson from St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart, Florida on the beautiful Treasure Coast. And I am just half the man because next to me is the better part of the show, which is the wonderful, the gorgeous, the one with the beautiful locks, Rabbi Matthew Durbin. And uh, with us today is... um, such a special guest to have on here, and we are just honored to have her because, A, it is Good Friday, so it is one of the most sacred days of the of, of the year in the Christian calendar, and uh, it, it's it's tough to get a, a guest from, from the church, and so to get Jerusalem Greer on today has been awesome. She's a staff officer for, uh, for evangelism for the Episcopal Church, and so we're going to pick up where we left off, which is, so Jerusalem, you have done a lot of thought and parsing um, out of what evangelism is and how to approach evangelism. Since you go around the country and you're, you're the ambassador of evangelism, really, for the Episcopal Church, a denomination that has reacted to the evangelical movement in a way where people fled that movement and came to the Episcopal Church and didn't want anything to do with the E-word. So tell us how you begin to approach and to share uh, what evangelism is and why it is so uh, important to our baptismal covenant, and why is it important for us as children of God? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So one of the first things we do is is we do a lot of what we've already done here, right? We talk about um, the bad connotations of what evangelism is and the fear that people have when they hear that word, whether they're afraid that they're going to be asked to go stand on a street corner with a bullhorn um, or, or knock on doors with, with tracts in hand, um, or have a quota they have to fill of people they need to bring to our church buildings, um, or that, it, that we're, we're really trying to use fear tactics, you know, and fear is not of God, so um, that we're trying to get people to convert. And that's really not what Episcopal evangelism is about. That may still be the definition in some Christian circles, but not really in the Episcopal Church. I mean, what we really believe, kind of what we say is our working or our practical definition of evangelism, the the spirit of it right now, is that it's really about 
seeking and naming and celebrating uh, where God is showing up in the stories of all people, like where God's showing up in our lives, where we see God at work um, in our neighbors' lives, where we see God at work in the world at large. Being able to name that, talk about that, celebrate that, and be public in some ways about that, and then invite people into more of that naming, that seeking, and that naming, and that celebrating, and, and really that exploring, you know, whether whether we're talking about inviting people to actual church services or whether we're just inviting people to conversation um, and to storytelling. And, and that really the whole point of evangelism is um, to share the good news and, and whatever good news means both for us and, and for other people. And so where do we see God at work? Where do we feel, experience, hear, see, taste God's love? Why does, why does God's love matter to us? And then to, to begin to share those stories and to really invite those stories from other people. I mean, you know, one of the things about Episcopal Evangelism that it's not, it's not just us saying, we found the answer and here it is, and if you don't follow along, you know, you're out. You, you've made the wrong choice. And, and it doesn't need to be as much. It doesn't need to be, we're not I mean, to be the only ones talking. Uh, we really, it really needs to be centered around invitation um, and inviting stories of other people and, and discovering together where God's at work, um, learning to see things through each other's eyes and then really naming and celebrating that. What's beautiful of what you're saying that I don't hear a lot of, about evangelism. And I went to an evangelical seminary and I loved my time there. So this is, and I consider myself an evangelical Episcopalian. So a small E on that evangelical. Um, but what I hear from you and Rabbi, you tell me if, if you hear it differently, what Jerusalem is talking about is saying, I want you to share your story of God, uh, as opposed to a lot of times in evangelism is let me tell you about the story of God so you can change and you can come join this movement and your life will be a lot better for it because you might be a little lost, but now you can be found through Jesus as, as opposed to, wait a minute, I just really care about you. This is what I'm hearing from, from Jerusalem. Yeah. I really care about you. And, and I want to, I'm really excited about this idea of knowing more about God. And so I'm curious about where you see God and I don't have strings attached. I just want to share in that. And so you tell me, you tell me about where you're seeing God, because this conversation is beautiful and exciting. And this is where I feel like the spirit is moving us. So it's, it's all about the other person where often, uh, and, and we hear this in pop Christian music sometimes, it's very eye-centric. It's very about, let me tell you about about the about, about the word and about god um am i am i am i right here on this with with the uh, an overall feel with what you're talking about yeah absolutely i mean i think you know again it's not that we have the answer I and mean, we want to get away from that because we don't know what god is doing in each person right um, and how god is moving and in our vernacular you know we'd say how the holy spirit is moving in the lives of different people, and, and we're, if we believe that we're all uniquely created, then we're going to, then it just stands to reason that we all have unique experiences of God's love, and that we all feel love and experience love in different ways. I mean, whole books are written about that, right? Like love languages and those sorts of things. So, um, so instead of us coming and saying, we have found the only, you know, way and, and, and again, that conversion thing, we're not trying to convert people to our way of thinking or even believing. 
But instead, we really believe in the concept of good news and that um, that everyone needs to hear good news and, and experience good news in their life. And, and that deeply, at the end of the day, what everyone um, needs to know is that they are beloved just as they are and that that's ultimately the good news, that they are loved by God just as they are and and that when we begin to share our stories, when we begin to invite people to tell their stories, when we share our stories, not our not our you know belief system or five points or whatever, but really share our stories, that we begin to feel ourselves more loved, that we begin to be connected to that love, um, and that that's really what changes us, and that's what changes people. And if they want to go deeper with us um, into you know the Episcopal tradition, then. And we're happy to, to go along with them and, and walk next to them while they, while they do that. Um, but we're not trying to, like, like, lasso anybody and drag them in, right? Well, let me, let me, let me ask you a question. And I don't know if, so, the, so I'm going to channel some of my, my evangelical brothers and sisters. And there's a part of me, too, who, who feels like there is a certain point, And I, I've responded to the altar calls, you know, in my life. I've responded to three of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, but I have to say they were very powerful moments, transformative moments. And, uh, for me where it was basically someone saying, you need to now step forward and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior. You need to step up in front of the community and say, uh, amen. And, and we have done a lot with our own Episcopal youth where we've done these, these short-term missions and, um, they've been moved and by, 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 by the work of the spirit. But it's, but there has also been these times when we've taken them to be more of these, uh, Baptist based camps where the camp culminates in the big altar call. And I will say that our, our kids have their, 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 as the term is, their heart, their, they, their, their heart was wrecked by God where, because there was a point in the camp where they said, if you, if you, they take you through the whole, uh, you know, salvific story of Jesus on the cross and it gets really bloody uh, and then say, stand up if you want to accept. Um, so that is, that is kind of pushing against everything that we're talking about here because they are saying, are, do you want to get in where you fit in? Do you want to come join us? But I have to say for our youth, though, they did say that moment did change my life. So I'm wondering if in the church, if we do miss some of that uh, by, by kind of backing off and making it more like let's let's share in where you see God. But does there come a point where you do need to say, but are are you willing to take the step? Are you willing to go in? And this is the reason why for, for, for redemption, for salvation. Yeah, well, I think. In our tradition, in the Episcopal tradition, and the way, you know, our things work, I mean, I think that ideally that's what confirmation is, right? And then that right. that's what the confirmation process is supposed to offer. Whether or not that is what's happening church-wide, I mean, you know, there's so many. The Episcopal Church, the thing I have learned about the Episcopal Church traveling all over is it is extremely wide. Um, and right. you are, you know, it just is, I mean, kind of part of the thing, you know, I came out of the Southern Baptist world and there's a very lockstep mentality of these are the things that you have to believe in order to be, call yourself a Christian. Um, and you are failing if you don't. And we're really not, that is not an Episcopal, that's not an Anglican theology. Um, and so our way of moving through the world. So, you know, I... I really try to stay away from bashing other traditions and I might not agree with what everyone's doing um, or their methods, but 
ultimately, I feel like in our tradition and in our theology, that what we are called to do um, really looks it looks much broader than maybe some other traditions, and that that people who that they're going to find their call to God in that, that that's ministering to a certain group of people. I mean, you know, we don't even say that we believe everyone should be Episcopalian, <laughs> right? Right, like, right, right. Yeah, so so it's pretty wide, um, and, I, you know, in a, in a perfect world, the, our confirmation um, is providing that. Our baptismal renewal services are providing that. People are doing catechumenate, and it's providing those opportunities. Um is that happening everywhere? No. Um, would I love to see that? Yes. Um, so, you know, it's also, there, there's a lot there to unpack, but I think ultimately um, that's where we're at. Right. No, I got you. All right. So I got to ask this. The rabbi and I have talked a lot about how do our current events change the face of how we approach worship, how we approach pastoral care, Mm-hmm. How, how we approach building community, all these things that, that the, the, the synagogue and the church is, is known for. Um, and how do you see now this in this time of COVID, what, what is God up to and maybe challenging uh, our, our uh, just how we perceive and understand uh, religion, how we perceive and understand uh um, houses of worship and, and just being a, a spiritual community. Where, where, where do you see the opportunity? I know we're, we're all well aware of the doom and gloom. Right. So, but, so I don't think we have to re- go over that. But for your sake, where, where do you see this, just the opportunity and the hope? Because you're a pretty optimistic gal and a very creative one. Um, where, where, where do you see the, the, the new life coming? Yeah, so um, that's a that's a great question. One of the things that I, that I want to say, and I think this leads into this answer, is that you know, for uh, for us, for Episcopalians, we don't. If we're the one thing we need to to say is that if we're not trying to just convert people to being Episcopalians, or we're not trying to save people from hell, that's not kind of our evangelistic mindset, you know, then you have to ask, well, why? Why do we even believe in evangelism? What's the purpose of evangelism for us? And for us, you know, we really believe that that how the lens through which we see and, and the way that we experience and understand how God's at work in the world offers love, and, and offers love specifically in kind of three fundamental ways, and that one of the ways it offers God's love is freedom, and that's a lot of that social justice stuff, right? We're fighting for freedom from, for lots of different things. The other is transformation, so just everyone wants to keep growing. Like, everyone knows that and has that inner desire, you know, to to grow and to experience life more fully and more abundantly and, and to be whole. And then the third one is belonging. Um, we all, you know, human beings are created to be with other human beings. And if you go all the way back to even our creation story, um, that we hold to, you know, God and Adam are hanging out, and then God's like, this still isn't enough. This guy needs another human. And so, um, you know, Eve's created, and, and, and we go from there. But even, you know, if you look all through Scripture, both both Hebrew Scripture and Christian Scripture, and and it's all about community. It's all about coming together in community. I mean, even Jesus was, like, traveling around with, you know, 12 really knuckleheaded dudes, 
And and he could have been a lone ranger. He could have just gone out and been like, look, I'm God. I have the answers, and I don't need you people, and I can get this done a lot faster and a lot clearer. But instead, he surrounded himself with community. And so, um, which is really, I think, God's plan, God's plan A for how God's love gets shown and worked out on earth. So here we are, all separated in our houses um, and not able to be in community and tradition traditional senses, the sense of like coming together to our synagogues and our churches and those sorts of things. And so what I think the, the beautiful opportunity, not that we've ever would have chosen for it to come to us in this, this way, but the moment that we have right now is to offer these things, these gifts of freedom and transformation and belonging. I mean, our country, Western culture is so lonely. We have what's called the loneliness epidemic, right? And Suicide rates are out the wall, you know, just out the roof, and and just so so many people are lonely. And um, right now, we have an opportunity to both really dig into what it means to do our faith from home, home base. I mean, to really, you know, the church doesn't, the church shouldn't exist. Um, the home home faith. I'm not saying this clearly, but home faith does not exist to support what we learn in church. Church is supposed to exist and reinforce what we're doing at home already in our faith. Um, And I think that right now we have the opportunity to dig into that idea and to really, instead of just trying to knock the sin out of everyone, really remove their aloneness and to really begin to do those, those faith things about where do we see God in our homes. Sometimes the loneliest people are people we live with because we're just all going through the motions of, of trying to get everything done in our life and we're not really digging in and we don't really know each other. Um, and and so right now in our homes, whether it's a home of two or a home of ten or a home of one, I think we have this amazing, beautiful opportunity to really go back to the beginning, to go back to the way faith was originally in the Judeo-Christian you know, uh, ways of being. They, faith really began at home, and I, I think we have a moment to do that and to to work on um, creating belonging and transformation and freedom within our homes. And even if you're you live alone, you know, we to use this technology to use Zoom, not just to like consume a service, like not just to go and watch a service, which is a great thing to be able to do. But to have those conversations, to get on FaceTime, to get on Zoom, to look at each other and to say, okay, I've had a hard day. Um, I'm really overwhelmed by all of this. So tell me where you've seen God today. Or tell me a story of where God has shown up for you in the past, because I need to hear good news right now. Um, to do that at the dinner table, to do that um, you know, while you're out working in the garden, um, to do that when you need to take a break from forcing your kid to do their schoolwork. You know, to say, okay, let's just pause and name some good things right now. Um, I just think we have a moment to where we can really flip that script that our churches and our worship spaces are the main place where we're supposed to get our spiritual formation um, and to really bring it back home and to become more comfortable um, digging into our faith right where we're right where we are because right now um, – we're home, and that's where we are. And so I think that's where we need to dig in. This is great. Yes, guess, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, one, yeah, one of the questions that I, well, I would have, Jerusalem, is um, 
in your position and in the role that you serve within the church, I mean, are you, do you find you and, and the leadership are redefining what evangelism means and how we go about it and what we're doing within it? I mean, is it a constantly evolving uh, term and, and outreach, or is it, you know, is it something that you guys discuss on a fairly regular basis and reframe it and re-question it? You know, how does that work? Yeah, so we are always discussing it and reframing it and trying to refine it. Um, you know, we kind of have these big statements, and then we're going, okay, but what does that really mean? And what does it, what does it mean in all these nuanced ways for different people? And um, right now, the definition that we're kind of working with that I've kind of talked about has really been set in motion by our presiding bishop. Um, and, and I think that's the season we're in. But it's definitely responding to culture in the sense of, we really believe that what evangelism is, is good news. Ultimately, what it is, it's the sharing and, and it's the sharing, the experiencing, the telling of good news. And that good news changes. Um, and for us, good, sharing the good news and, and in a way that, that attaches it to our faith, right? So I always talk about we have, in the Episcopal Church, we have tons of food pantries. And my question to everybody is, does anybody know why you have a food pantry? Like, do your clients know that you're doing this because you're following Jesus' commandment to love God and love your neighbor, and this is how you feel like you're supposed to do that? Or, or is it just a good work? Um, that it could be like from the Rotary Club. And so, so we're always trying to kind of look at what does good news sound like right now, and um, and I think that changes from time to time. I mean, I think what good news sounds like during a time of COVID is a little different than what, you know, good news sounded like even three months ago for a lot of people. And so, um, so yeah, so we're always kind of reexamining that, relooking at it through the lens of what is it right now? Um, what does good news sound like right now? And how can we share that um, better? Rabbi, do you... Because we talked about this before, this, this notion, and we only got a couple minutes left here, unfortunately, but I just want to touch upon this really quickly, this notion of going back to the basics and going back to how in the early church, first century, second century, we, you know, it was a home-based movement. And I know John Wesley later on got into this and bringing it back to the small groups in this home-based movement. Rabbi, can you talk to that of now we're in this position where we got to have another home-based movement of us sharing and growing in faith. Uh, what, what, what is the what is the background of, of how, uh, uh, from a Jewish perspective, of where the home is the place where a lot of spiritual formation happens, and how the synagogue supports that, um, as opposed to everything happened in the synagogue itself? Can can you uh, help me with that? Because Yesterday, I tried to talk to you about that, and I got lost in, like, the, the diaspora and Babylon, and set this Christian straight, please. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think what we were discussing before is, you know, from a Judaic perspective, all of our festivals and holidays and most of the stuff that we do has always been a home celebration, right? Even tonight, Shabbat. Shabbat is a home celebration that is celebrated in the home. You know, if we go back to life cycle events, right? Uh, Brit Milah, for, for those that are not familiar with the term, right, the rite of circumcision, right, at eight days old, uh, you know, a baby boy gets circumcised by a moil, 
um, you know, the rabbi presides over and does blessings. That that procedure and that that event happens in the in the home because that ultimately is our own personal sanctuaries. Uh, is is the, the the ability for us to practice within our home? You know, from a from a um, circumcision perspective, right? It's it's we move things to the synagogue only because what I feel is we have more space, right? If I have my entire community and let's say 500 people want to join me in my home uh, as I welcome my son uh, to the Jewish people, well, I'm not going to be able to fit 500 people in my house, but I can, I can fit 500 people in my synagogue. Especially with six feet between each person. Today, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, but, but a large part of it is, um, you know, all of our, all, all of our, all of our joyous occasions have always been in the home and, and, and the, the synagogue and the sanctuaries um, are an extension of our home. It just, it, it's where community meets. So I think that there's, there's, there's something there as we, as we come into the fold together. All right. So the awesome movement that God is providing for us, what I'm getting out of all this is even from a sense of evangelism is first, how are we sharing the good news at, at home with one another? Where does that become again the, the, the cornerstone of our faith? So as family members, as friends, um, and then how does the church and the synagogue empower that that work? Because that is, uh, listen, we, we Rabbi and I and Jerusalem and myself, we can all get up and preach and teach and do all these wonderful things, but if it ain't happening at home, that spiritual formation is going to be stunted. So listen, we are at the end of the show and there's just so much to get into, but Jerusalem Greer, you are wonderful and amazing. And, and thank you so much for sharing all this good stuff. So listen, if people want to know more about you and learn more about all the wonderful things uh, you've been talking about, where can they find you? They can find me at JerusalemGreer.com or on all social media with the handle Jerusalem Greer. Also EpiscopalChurch.org and slash evangelism. Uh, thank you again, sister, for, for jumping on. Have a blessed, blessed uh, Good Friday uh, for you. And say hello to the chickens for us. And um, I think so far they are not able to carry COVID, but we're finding out the tigers and dogs can. So that's, <laughs> that's right. Thanks, guys. Uh, all right. So, peace. so uh, Rabbi, I know you and I are in some pretty hefty seasons here for our, for our respective faiths. Um, I'm about to go off to a Good Friday service. So for anyone who wants to take part in a Good Friday service, you can go to... Uh, St. Mary Stewart, um, org, and uh, check us out on Facebook or YouTube and take part in the services. We got all of our Holy Week services going online and um, hopefully and some resources up there. Uh, Rabbi, what do you guys got going on in this last minute? What can you tell us? Yep, so uh, we got Shabbat evening services tonight via Facebook on our Facebook page. Uh, that will be streamed at 6 o'clock. We have uh, Shabbat morning tomorrow morning uh, where we're going to do a Zoom call uh, with anyone who wishes to join us. And uh, next week, next Wednesday, we're going to be doing Yisker services for Passover, which is the time at which uh, three times a year for our major festivals that we offer uh, the opportunity to reflect back on our loved ones who are no longer with us and kind of remember them in a, uh, in a, in a, in a moving and powerful service. So we've got, we've got a lot going on. And um, all you got to do is just, uh, just follow us. Just follow us. All right, everyone, follow us on Facebook or YouTube where you can find uh, Bet Hayam or uh, St. Mary's Episcopal Church. God bless you all. Have a blessed, blessed time and share the good news with one another. Peace.